재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is time for Must Read Korean Book. Joining us today is Sarah Kwan. Sarah is a freelance interpreter based in Seoul. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jamie. Happy New Year! Yay! Happy New Year! It's 2017. Who would have thought that we would make it to 2017? Hmm. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, any New Year's resolutions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, every year I keep on telling myself that I'm going to write a journal and read more and write more. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's my New Year's resolution once again. So you're going to keep a journal? It kind of wanes. Like I start okay. and I kind of like write a lot about it mm-hmm. and then read a lot. And then it mm-hmm. kind of starts to wane from March. Mm-hmm. And, then <laughs> <laughs> and then when around summertime, there's no uh-huh. more journal anymore. <laughs> Well, maybe you should come up with a system to stick to it, like a fine system. Like, yeah. You can set it up with your partner and be like, if I don't write in my journal today, I give you 5,000 won. Oh, no. I'm going to be poor. <laughs> I'm going to be broke. So let's talk about uh, 2016. What meaning did it have for you? Well, for Koreans especially, I think 2016 was when the abnormal became the normal. Mm. And all the systems like started to crumble down. Mm -hmm, So for me, it was a very dark period. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I I ended up reaching a state of enlightenment where I'm like, everything is okay. Everything will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the impeachment of President Park Mm -hmm. and Trump, um, the president-elect. Right, right. It was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a a good time to, to seek inspiration from the old wise masters absolutely Mm -hmm. you know those people that have stood time so that's why i brought someone uh, to give us some advice in times of uncertainties and turmoil Mm -hmm. confucius Ooh, confucius and um this is a book that is written by Zhou guangsu Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more about an analysis about the analects of confucius which Mm -hmm. is nono okay And considering it's really difficult, uh, I think it's really helpful for someone within sight of the area to actually explain it. Mm-hmm. So Cho Guangsu is a, a Confucian scholar or, mm-hmm. or uh, a, a scholar of Confucius who has written this book called 나는 서른에 비로소 홀로 섰다 or I finally stood alone at the age of 30 and that is our book today, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Cho Guangsu is like a researcher in Chinese traditional studies mm-hmm. and he got his PhD at the National University of Taiwan and has translated Nuna the Analects of Confucius and wrote papers about Chinese dynasty structures and the leadership styles of Mao Zedong or Deng Xiaoping. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I brought a self-help book because I really don't read a lot of self-help books uh-huh. is because of it's the new year, so 2017. Okay. It's a good time to, to read self-help books. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So tell us about the title, I Finally Stood Alone at the Age of 30. What does that mean? So it has a special emphasis on the age of 30, and mm-hmm. he explains it explicitly in the prologue. Right, right. So let me um, start from there. Okay. At the age of 15, one devotes him or herself in studying, which reaches to a point of a certain level of professionalism, which leads to independence. At 30, 
one can stand on his own and is not easily persuaded or enticed at 40. At 50, one knows what his purpose of life is, and at 60, he can listen to anything and not be affected. At 70, he does whatever he pleases, needs no boundaries, and still does not anyone any harm. So when I heard this quote in my teens, I thought this was a good goal to have because, you know, it it sounds like he's uh, setting up all these milestones for you. Like by the age of 15, you're supposed to know um, what you want to devote your life to. And then by the time by the time you reach 30, you can stand on your own and then you're not supposed to be easily enticed at the age of 40. But now as I'm in my mid 30s i i look at this and i and i think you're not supposed to be easily enticed or or like swayed by the age of 40 i mean who does that yeah you're reaching that point now right Uh Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like maybe this was something that confucius was able to do but maybe like a really impossible goal for everybody else well let me give you more promise and a little bit more of hope by the next excerpt okay Confucius considers the age of 30 a time where one is standing alone, mentally and economically. And even with modern day's advances, this true sense of independence seems hard to achieve. There is no such thing as an easy life. Everyone goes through their own share of hardship. Some say tension is necessary to live longer. When it comes to suffering during one's lifetime, it can be because of the individual or the time, period, the generation the person is living in. Everyone is subject to it and no one is free. Hence, a message of hope or a sense of direction is necessary for everyone. How about looking for this courage or wisdom from Confucius? I like the tribunal of sufferings that he delineates in in the excerpt that you just read, that there's the suffering of the individual, and then the suffering of the time period, and the suffering of the generation. And of course, all three of these uh, sufferings are intertwined, and we have to deal with all three. Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially when I looked at the example of how young high school students are going out to demonstrate Mm -hmm. in Mm Guangwamun. It's like, these children are experiencing something that my generation never did. (laughs) Right, right. Like, what what kind of, like, you know, turbulences they have to go through. Mm, Right, right. And to go on to the next part, um, this is a part where the writer expresses about his focus on the people in their 20s and 30s nowadays. Mm Mm-hmm. And that although we do live in a state of ennui and hopelessness, that there is still golden rules that can apply and shed some light. Mm -hmm. And although that we do live in a state of ennui and hopelessness, there are golden rules that can apply and shed some light on this dark state. And this is what Confucius is trying to tell us. Mm Mm-hmm. So can you give us another excerpt that's related to that? Sure. When we say a person is mature and acts as his age, 
He knows what is expected of him and actively carries out those roles and responsibilities. And if a person is not ripe, not mature, this means that it isn't time yet, like wearing something that isn't in season. What Confucius valued most is chunyong eto, the way of the middle or balance. The middle way of harmony is something that is not of the extreme, and keeping on the track of the middle way is so hard it takes a lifetime's worth of studying and training. But this middle way does not mean to be literally in the middle of the road. It is a sense of balance, a very dynamic internal sense. You choose the adequate path for each situation. I hope that those in their 30s start to find balance in their lives and work. People that say work is everything are not happy. It is wrong to say that you need to sacrifice having a family to make it big. The reason why we work is to become happier. What is the use of being recognized at work or getting a raise if you're unhappy at home in, and in your personal life? Happy people are successful in their workplaces. So I think one thing that this excerpt is touching upon is the sense of role and responsibility for each phase in your life. What do you make of that? So as a teen, I really was rebellious against this because mm -hmm. whenever my parents told me about my roles and responsibility as like the firstborn child mm -hmm. or being a model citizen, I was like, I don't care about how people think I am. Uh -huh. I don't want to become a good model citizen or right, like right. a good model daughter to mm -hmm. my brothers. Uh -huh. And so I was like really rebellious. But as I grow older, it does make more sense. So you hear all these stories about people that abandon their children. Mm -hmm. And if they had that role and responsibility set in their mind, of course, you like you know, their children would have suffered less. The mm -hmm. society would have suffered less. Mm -hmm. And so freedom is only given within that boundary. Right, you have to be responsible. Yeah. Right. Yes, yes. Um, I think the message that we keep getting and that Confucius is trying to counter in the excerpt that you just read is that in order to get something that we really truly want, we have to give up a vital part of ourselves. And I think that's what Confucius is trying to argue against, that you need to strike a balance. Mm -hmm. Right. So to go on to the next excerpt... The reason why Confucius and his teachings has been appealing and survived throughout all this time is because he understood and emphasized with the regular person about their feelings and desires. He not only understood but also practiced a very flexible approach to life. He said, a virtuous man does not have any specific set of ideas that are a must or a must not. He just follows virtue and is flexible in applying it within the boundaries of his principles. This virtue, the sense of virtue, 
does not simply mean to be right. It is more about what is adequate and fitting in each situation. A rational sense that is bright on what is going on and that does not follow his or her own selfish interest. In other words, always striking a balanced solution according to each situation. At work, sometimes you might encounter a higher-ranked employee telling you that you must do it his way. At work, sometimes you might encounter a higher-ranked employee telling you that you must do it his way. And this makes people uncomfortable. Some might even do something that is unethical because they want to maximize their interest. Confucius did not have the following four in his dictionary. Selfish, must, stubborn, a sense of superiority. He was not a stuffy professor type that told you what to do. Mencius, his most famous pupil, said that he was a teacher that was attentive of changes and acted flexibly accordingly. Confucius didn't demand people to snuff out their desires and always encourage them to find a balance between letting go and keeping control. So as you're reading this, um, as you were reading this excerpt, I was starting to wonder if this message from from Confucius, this aspect of being flexible and looking at everything on a case by case basis, somehow got lost over time because it's almost like impossible to attain if you think about it, and it's also very difficult to sell to people. Absolutely. Yes, because um, I think in terms of um, narratives of the biographies of great men, it's about something that they wanted and their journey to attaining this goal and how they sacrificed everything on the way there. And I think like it's really difficult for for anyone to like come across a biography of a great person who achieved everything by um, maintaining this equilibrium and balance, except for maybe Julia Child. <laughs> Well, yes, she's a woman, uh, adding that. <laughs> Great person. Yes, yes, yes. Very well balanced. Mm-hmm. But yes, like if you just read even Martin Luther King or JFK, you would see these people that have done great things in their lives. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to their personal lives, it's... Suffered. Yeah. Yes. It's terrible. It's mm-hmm. terrible. So sometimes you think maybe this equilibrium is really hard mm-hmm. and you're tugged by all directions so being attentive to what everyone is asking you to do is really hard. Mm-hmm. But I guess um, not acting and being observant before acting and making a decision does save a lot of energy. Mm-hmm, definitely. And the next excerpt you have for us comes from uh, Confucius talking about relationships. Mm-hmm. The Chinese character Ojil In, which means virtuous understanding and is ethical. It is consisted of the character of um, human and the number two. Two means it's already a community and that virtues exist within a community. No matter how much one might strive to actually practice and perfect virtue, They can't do it alone. You always need a counterpart. 
the love and emotion you have for someone is the essence of this. You can't achieve the state without other people and a sense of community. Virtue is something that can only be attained in relationships, mutual relationships. So, how this is what makes us human, and it doesn't come from our individuality, but from our relationships and how we define ourselves based on others. This is different from the Western's point of a free being that is truly free from all restraints. This perspective on a virtuous person is defined by his relationships. We read in the news about people that aren't well off themselves, but are already donating to people that are more unfortunate. People that have vendors and restaurants that are really small, but they still donate their life's worth of savings to、um, children or students that need scholarships. These are the people living, breathing evidence of virtue. They truly understand and master the art of thinking in other people's shoes. In Korean, you could say "yokji saji." They don't have much to offer, but they still embrace others with a sense of understanding and acceptance. And this acceptance leads to a strong sense of self-belief. And then a virtuous cycle that affects the whole society with their positive energy. So I think we've hit a bit of a paradox here because、um, it, he's talking about how the virtual, like how virtue leads to、um, self-belief, but the example of virtue comes from people who don't exactly create a balance between others and self, like people who spend their entire lives、um, not really indulging on themselves and then like donating all of all of their savings.、Mm-hmm. To others, to to other people's goals, and isn't that what、um, Confucius was arguing against in the excerpts that you read earlier? Yeah. So to me, it was a very complicated and clashing kind、mm-hmm. of、um, concept too. So I was thinking about some examples of what could explain this. For example, Zuckerberg,、mm-hmm. the you know the founder of Facebook, right? Right after he had his child, he thought more. He was more invested. In the future, it's like I want to make this world a better place for my child. So he and his wife founded this initiative to make the place a better place. And so they're targeting, like you know, famine-stricken places, diseases, and crime to make a better world for their child.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, Joe Biden,、um, he also lost a child、uh, by cancer. Mm-hmm. And so recently, he also started a foundation that is just specifically targeting cancer and curing it within, like you know, ten years, five years, and shortening that time period.、Mm-hmm. So these people, through their relationships with their children, have really defined themselves. This is what defines them. What happens in the next ten years?、Mm-hmm. So it really sounds like.、Um The whatever they're doing for other people starts at a place of self-interest, but it also leads to the greater good.、Mm-hmm. Right, right. I think that's a very lovely、um, 
note to end on today. Well, we're unfortunately all out of time, but thank you so much, Shara, for coming in today, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Coming up next is David's bookmark, but first, here's Alabama Shakes, the live version, You Ain't Alone. You ain't alone, so why you love me? 